0: How's it going, my friend? This is the God Made Man podcast, day number 13 of 90 days of putting lust to bed. Today's verse, or today's passage, is from Proverbs chapter five, verses one to 14. Just like we did yesterday, I'm not gonna read the whole passage right off the bat. We're just gonna go couple verses by couple verses just to learn as much as we can. The first couple verses say, my son, attend to my wisdom, bow your ear to my understanding, that you may regard discretion That your lips may keep knowledge. Once again, this is the father speaking to his kids. And he says, bow your ear to my understanding. Make yourself humble to understand what I'm trying to tell you, that you can regard discretion. And it says, he says, bow your ear to my understanding, meaning be humble to my experiences, to the things that I've learned. I've seen a few things. I've done a few things. I've been, you know, I've been where you're I'm coming back from where you're going, as I've as I've heard some people say. I'm coming back from where you're going, son. Listen to what I have to say. This is a father, once again, telling, asking his kids, hey, attend to what I'm trying to tell you. Listen, pay attention, listen up. In the same way that the earthly father tells his earthly kids, listen to what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to help you out here. Our heavenly father is doing the same when it comes to the life that we are trying to live. He's saying, look, The way you're trying to do things is great, but do things the way I'm trying to tell you, within the way I'm trying to tell you, and it will be the life that is truly fulfilling, a godly life that will truly bring God glory, and it will be for your ultimate good. That's verses 1 and 2. Verse 3, it says, For the lips of an immoral woman drip as a honeycomb. So the Father says, hey, listen to what I'm trying to tell you, so that your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. That's verse three. This reminded me of the Greek mythology, the Greek mythological story. If you don't know, I love Greek mythology. I used to read it a ton as a middle schooler, as a high schooler. I loved the stories and the parallels that it had to modern day life. And one of the stories was about Odysseus. And Odysseus was traveling in his ship with his men, and they were coming close to the place where. In Greek mythology, there were these human like beings that had alluring voices, and they were called sirens. And you would hear the alluring voice, and it would be so alluring that you'd want to go toward it and check it out and see what's going on. But these human like beings were actually monsters that would kill you in the very end. But you wouldn't really know that until it was too late. But Odysseus, he wanted to hear the sound of the sirens and still live. So what he did was he told his men, tie me to the mast. As tight as you can possibly tie me, no matter what I say, no matter how much I try to fight it, no matter whatever I do, don't let me go. Don't untie me. And then his men, they took wax and they put it in their ears so they couldn't hear the sirens call. And as they passed by the sirens, Odysseus started to hear it and he started to crave it. He was like, I got to, like the power of the sirens call began to call to him and he began to tell his men, untie me, get me out of here. I want to go. But his men being so clogged up with wax in their ears, they couldn't hear him. They kept rowing. They kept moving forward. And when it was a safe distance off, when he couldn't hear them anymore, they untied him and he was able to live through it. This verse says, The lips of an immoral woman drip as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. There's this enticing nature to this. And, you know, I I don't want to make it seem as this is referring to a specific person, but let's refer to this immoral woman as kind of our lusts our temptations. Let's give it the persona of this immoral woman. It's a very tempting situation where it just seems like, oh, it's so enticing. I got to have it. It's so attractive. It's so beautiful. It's so perfectly shaped. It's just, it's exactly what I want, exactly what I need it. It is so enticing. But verse four says, but her end is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She doesn't ponder the path of life and her ways are unstable and she doesn't even know it. Verse 4 and 5, it snaps us out of that kind of trance and it says, look, that's great, right? Her mouth is like a honeycomb, so smooth like oil, but in the end, it's going to suck, right? It's not just going to suck. It's going to be as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword to say that it's going to suck is an understatement. It, it, it will cost you a great deal. This is what I want us to remind ourselves of when we're dealing with these temptations. I, I don't want us to just get caught up in the sirens call and be so attracted to something like a, like a fly to a, a light, an electric light that's going to zap it in just a second. I want us to, in that moment, snap ourselves out of it and remind myself, what is the end result going to be? As attractive as this is, what is it going to get me? What is it going to cost me? How am I going to feel after this? Am I going to be a step closer to where I want to go? Am I going to be a step closer to the type of type of man I'm trying to be? The type of husband I want to be? The type of leader I want to be? Is this going to be something that I can openly talk about? That I can bring somebody, a friend into with me? Or is this something that's going to cause me shame and cause me guilt? That's verses 4. And six. One thing about verses six that it says is she doesn't ponder the path of life. You know, we read in um what's it called? Verse five, verse chapter five, verse twenty-six yesterday, ponder the path of your feet. And then in verse six, verses um verses five. Let me backtrack a little bit. In ver- in chapter four, verses twenty-six, it says, ponder the path of your feet. In verses five and six, chapter five, verses six, I'm messing this all up. It says, She doesn't ponder the path of life. In the previous chapter, it says, ponder your steps. Here it says, this woman, this temptation, this lust, doesn't ponder the path of life. It doesn't care about the future. It doesn't care about how this is going to affect anything. It's unstable. It just wants the present. It just wants the present craving. And it doesn't even know that it's unstable. Verse 8, it says, remove your way far from her don't even go to the door of her house. This is what we had talked about in the past couple days where, I've mentioned this before, we don't just find ourselves in a a predicament where we're like, crap, how did I end up here? Out of of the blue. Rather, there were certain steps that were taken. And this verse, verse 8, chapter 5, verses 8, is very similar to chapter 4, verses 15, where it says, avoid it. Don't even travel on that road. Turn away from it and pass on. Don't set yourself up for failure. Set yourself up to succeed. That means know what's down this road. If I go down this road, if I hang out with this person, if I go to this place, if I listen to this song, if I watch this show, if I stay online too long at this time of night, what's going to happen? I should know what's going to be at the end of that road. And if it's not something that's going to be good, positive, and godly, I'm not even going to walk down this road. Don't get put yourself into a position where it's just hard to say no say no when it's easy for you to do it i heard this quote once that said the people who have the strongest will are the ones who don't have to use it take it for whatever you you know want to take from that but i think the main idea is put yourself in places where you don't even have to worry about your will or your or your your um, or or don't even put yourself in a place where it's hard to make the choice Make the choice ahead of time where it's when you know, when you're in the present state of mind, where you're in the right state of mind, where you've made the choice and set yourself up for success. Verse nine, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel. This is where it starts to get into the consequences of somebody who did go down the wrong path. Lest you give your honors to others and your years to the cruel. One thing I want to focus on this verse is the years to the cruel giving into lust, giving into temptations, giving into this this beast of pornography it takes your time. That's the biggest factor that it steals from you is your time. Because minutes, hours, days go by and these in the long run add up to time that you could have spent doing something else, doing something more productive, but rather it was taken away from you. It was stolen. These years you're giving away to the cruel. You're wasting your time. Verse 10 goes it continues, Lest strangers be filled with your wealth, and your labors go to the house of a stranger, and you mourn at last when your flesh and body are consumed, and you have said. Before we even jump to verse 12, let's stop there. Lest strangers be filled with your wealth and labors and your labors go to the house of a stranger, and you mourn at last when your flesh and body are consumed. I've heard different interpretations about this. But I think the reader is speaking from some level of experience, or he's seen it, where a man chose to go down this path of adultery, of chasing another woman that might not that wasn't his wife. And because of it, he lost not only his time, but his possessions. There was a disruption in the family to where now other people are enjoying his wealth. Other people are enjoying the things that he's worked so hard for. And then verse 11 says, when you mourn at last, when your flesh and body are consumed. I've heard this interpreted multiple ways. One of the ways I've interpreted is when your flesh and body are consumed, is that referring to some STDs? Is that referring to a literal infection of the body where you've you know, have had unprotected sex or whatever it may be? That The person is now reaping the consequences in their body. That's one interpretation that I've heard. Or it could be in a spiritual sense as well, where our flesh and our bodies are consumed, where in our mind we are so consumed with our guilt and shame about the actions that we have committed. Just throwing it out there for for uh, you to hear and to ponder on yourself. Verse 12 and 13, it says, and, and then you're going to say, how I have hated instruction. My heart despised reproof. I have not obeyed the voice of my teacher's nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the congregation of assembly. Within the first 14 verses, we see this whole kind of story play out where we have a father who is giving instructions to his kids. Listen to what I'm telling you. Then he says, the temptation is going to be so enticing, but don't give into that because in the end, it's going to be something that you regret heavily. And as somebody who may have walked down that road, let me tell you, it is one filled with pain, with regret, physical manifestations of, of of this regret that I have. People, Other people are experiencing and enjoying the things that I've worked for. And in the end, this person is left with this, how I have hated instruction. There's just this deep sense of regret, how I have despised what people told me. If somebody told me, they warned me in the past not to go down this road, but I did it anyway. And here I am reaping the consequences. The consequences can include guilt and frustration, dissatisfaction and regret, the breakdown of a family, personal suffering. This is a heavier passage. I'll be honest, it's not exactly positive. This is a heavy one, but I think it's something that we have to be aware of. When we're dealing with our struggles, when we're dealing with our temptations, when we're dealing with these things that seem so strong in our life, what has helped me in the past has been reminding myself of what's going to happen in the end if I give in. If I give into this, and not just for today, not just the the sense of regret and shame that I might feel today, but rather in the future, the man that I am becoming, is that going to be somebody that I'm proud of? The impact that, I'm, that I can have in my community, that I can have in my world, am I sacrificing that just for some short-term pleasure right now? Is it going to be worth it? That's what I want us to take away from this. For us to really ponder Our steps and to really understand and know what's waiting for us at the end of taking this path of giving into our lusts, giving into our sexual temptations, giving into adultery, giving into fornication. What's waiting for us at the end? I want us to know that because then we can backtrack and say, eh, what I am sacrificing for right now, what I am sacrificing in order to get this short term pleasure is not worth it never will be worth it. I don't want to live my life like this. Let's not just be hearers of the word. Let us be doers as well. Doers in the sense of, I want us to, once again, be cognizant of our steps. Be cognizant of what is waiting for us at the end. Is it a positive thing? If I do this, if I go down this road, will it yield me a positive result? If not, then no. I don't want to do it. And once again, this is not an easy path that we're going to get straight away on the first try. It might take us several times of us reminding ourselves, but as we keep reminding ourselves, as we start to walk down that road, those thoughts will start to instantly come to us. We don't have to worry about thinking them in our own power. It'll automatically be our thought process. Hey, I already know what's what's down this road. I'm not going down it. I'm not going down this road. Let's make that our prayer going forward into today. Amen.